Hello and welcome to the Body Knows podcast. The show that's all about exploring the wisdom of the body through the experiences, teaching and lives of our guests. We are your hosts, Marcela Enriquez-Wakeham and my husband, Matt Wakeham. And we're so happy to have you here with us today. Hey, welcome back to episode 5 of the Body Knows podcast. Thanks for joining us again. And if this is your first time listening, we hope you enjoy it and invite you to listen to our previous episodes. For this conversation, we spent an afternoon at White Hart CrossFit in the heart of West Sussex, sharing cacao, ceremony, connection, conversation and cold immersion with James Shaw and Chris Baker of We Move. We Move is a podcast at the forefront of documenting the movement revolution, hosted by these two former overworked and overtrained music and fashion industry professionals who felt there was another way. James and Chris believe wholeheartedly in the transformative power of movement and share experience, and their lives and podcasts are testament to that embodied philosophy. We covered their journey from the early days, dealing with the mental, emotional and physical price of material success, moving on to the lessons learned on the road together, connecting the dots as documentarians of contemporary movement culture and how it has completely transformed them and their movement practices and continues to do so through the felt experience of their bodies in motion and connections with their guests. Their own conversation style on their show is long-form, free-flowing, dot-connecting riffs. And inspired by that, we threw much of our prepared questions out of the window and followed the flow of what was presenting itself and what wanted to be spoken and heard at the time. It felt like we barely got started telling their story, as their experience through their four-year journey and 140-plus conversations are so in-depth and full of truth and somatic experience. Yet, still we cover so much ground too. And listening back, it unfolds like an origin story, as they cross the threshold from the ordinary world into connecting with lives led by purpose and meaning, integrating and living everything they have learned from their conversations, driven by curiosity and passion for all that life can offer. We're sure this won't be the last conversation or time we share with these two free-spirited adventurers of human potential. The guys are easy to find on socials and on the web, where you can follow their ongoing, unfolding story. WeMove.world is their site and Instagram account. And you can find them on YouTube as WeMoveWorld. This is the last two weeks of our sponsored giveaway ending November 30th, 2020. To win made by Cooper's products and be part of an unlike a cow ceremony with me. Just subscribe, download, rate and review on Apple Podcasts and send us a screen graph of your review to contact at thebodynosepodcast.com. Doing this will also help us to share our message and we would like to ask you to do the same. If there's one person you know who will benefit from this conversation or any of our other episodes, please pass it along to them. Please tag us too in any posts and stories you share about our show on Instagram at thebodyknows underscore podcast and we'll be sure to reshare and we'll feature one of you on our next show. We'd like to mention Lauren Purdy who posted on Instagram that our episode Psilocybin and the Inner Healer came with divine timing as she and her partner were thinking about researching the subject when the episode appeared for them. Trust the process she said and we totally agree. You can find Laura at Flora and Dora, all one word. You can hear James, Chris and ourselves after this brief message. 
We are proudly sponsored by Made by Coopers, a modern apothecary crafting natural and organic products for your skin and soul. Founders Claire and Darren Cooper started the brand after they went on a mission to heal their own sleep disorders and anxiety problems. It was yoga, breathwork, meditation and aromatherapy that helped them and led them to a three-month journey of discovery in India, where they had the idea to start a wellness brand that boosts, balance and supports emotional well-being and helps with sleep, vitality and more. All their products are vegan certified and free from nasties, so there is no parabens, synthetic colors, fragrances, mineral oils or SLSs, and the skincare line is derived from plants with the majority of the ingredients being raw and food grade. They are cruelty free and they use no filling or bulking agents, keeping the formula concentrated for results. We love their products and we're sure you will too. Head on over to the shop at madebycoopers.com and use the discount code BODY20 at checkout for a 20% discount off all products. That's B-O-D-Y-2-0. Be sure to listen through to the end of the podcast too, where we're going to give details for a competition to win Made by Coopers products to celebrate our launch, running for a very limited time only. James? Chris? Hey. Hey. Welcome to the Body Knows podcast. It's a real pleasure. Uh, for me, uh, I was really excited to get you guys on the show. I'm a, I'm a listener to your podcast. Um, mostly, I listen while I'm training, and it's the, I feel a real affinity with what you know, with where you guys are, where you come from. I worked in media myself as well. Hit a wall. It's training like a beast. How you do one thing is how you do all things, right? And uh, had to had to start again and learn through moving, and so I really resonate with everything that you guys talk about and what you know where you're coming from. Yeah, I like your philosophy, and I really, really sense your energy, and I really like it. I really like your free spirit, and and obviously uh, by doing the podcast, the research, how you arrived to that, which we can go later into that. Yeah, cool. Obviously, yeah, we want to know about your background. Yeah. Uh, James, you were in fashion I and was. you were doing the music industry. That's right, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, so do you want to give us a little bit of a, yeah. Yeah, that part of your life when you were very, very working in that, in that time? And what happened? Yeah, okay. Um, I had, I'd always wanted to work for myself. I think that's how I was brought up and... I went to business school, but it had this idea for how things should be. I have lots of ideas for how things should be or how things could be. And yeah, I, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was post university. I'd had this idea from about 17. I, I got a job, a real job, because that's what you should do, right? You should get a job working for someone else because you get a degree and you can do this thing. So I, at, at that point, I was doing it by the book. And I'd never read the book, but I was doing it by the by the book that I didn't know that I'd ever read. So I went to work for a sports brand and it was actually in my review. Well, in my interview, I said, I'm only going to be here for 12 months and then I'm going to start my own business because that's, they gave me the job. All right, it was just like that. <laughs> well, okay. they gave me the job after me saying that I'm not going to stick around for that long. And I was like, wow, this is brilliant. Um, and, and then actually it was in my review 18 months later that my boss said, when are you leaving? Uh, okay. <laughs> 
and, and he said, because if you don't go and do it, you'll never go and do it and you'll end up like me. And I was like, well, I don't want to end up like you. And, and he, he was a good friend then and he's, he's a good friend now, although I don't really see him. So I, so I went and ventured forth on this thing that I'd, I'd managed to persuade people I knew more about than I actually did because that was my understanding of when you go and work for a big company, everyone thinks that you're really good at what that company does and you just do a really small bit which is actually quite insignificant in the whole scheme of things. So I worked for a clothing brand at the time and, oh, you know everything about clothing. So I went on this journey of learning uh, about how to make clothes. And, and that actually, I think the naivety of it, the simplicity of it, made it a success. Because we didn't really know what we were doing, so we just made it up. And that seemed very fresh for people and, you know, and then we ended up with a shop and then we ended up with another shop in London and, and another shop. And then I got on this quest of we just must keep on opening. We just must keep on getting bigger. It was like a little bit of for greed oh, or, I was or because it's just exactly what the industry you're supposed to do. Uh, I think it's very easy to lose sight of what success is. And success is equated to, particularly in like the, the clothing business or the rag trade, it's like size is everything. Mm. And, and you want to get to a certain size because then certain things become easier. So you're always chasing this kind of uh, ease, you know, like the more competent you become, you get to a certain size where just things become a bit easier. Mm. So you chase this thing. And actually that, that chase is quite difficult. And, um, and my upbringing, my dad was very successful and I only realized this after the event, but I was, uh, 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 and by after the event, after, the, after I left the business that I burnt out I of understood. and just walked off, yeah. um, I realized that my dad would work super long hours, but he loved what he did. But I just equated hours worked equals success. Mm -hmm. So I was like, brilliant. I can totally, I can totally endure not sleeping and, and also, you, you see it, it was your upbringing, was your conditioning to... It was my conditioning, but only what I'd seen. Not, not the reasons why he was doing it. He did it because he loved it, so it didn't feel like working such long hours. There's also a, there's also a culture of, of the grind, isn't there, as well? That entrepreneurial grind, yeah. definitely. Like, you have to... The badge of honour, the, yeah. the, it's the, more, the more hours you're working, the, yeah, the, the more you're doing. Yeah, and, it, and I know from listening to you, I mean, you were working seven days a week, right? I think for like the first five years or something, I didn't have a day off, which actually is quite funny because you're like, well, that doesn't get anyone anywhere doing or doing this thing. And um, we, you know, we became the perception of success. That, yeah. That, well, that's what we had. And it got to a point where I was just exhausted, actually. Of course. Super tired. And a recurring theme throughout my life. We often joke about my climbing And you, and history. you were... You were as I was just about to say, you were at the same time, at you the were same climbing, time I wasn't and, climbing and running, I right? I stopped, well, I stopped climbing when the business started to take off just because mm -hmm. I couldn't do the two. But ironically, I stopped climbing in a way that would repeat itself in how I left my business. I was in the forest in Fontainebleau climbing, couldn't do a problem threw my shoes in the forest and then got on the Oristan and said, I'm never climbing again and just went off and never, never climbed again. I did that when I was 33 with my business. I gave an ultimatum. It was like, it's you or me. I'm off this like showdown. And then I was mm -hmm. like, oh shit, I've just, um, 
oh, that was it. Might have been a mistake. I mean, you know, a few years on, it's it's not now. But I, I when it was when I was uh, thirty seven. So I left. I quit that business when I was thirty three, and that was like kind of my whole life. Everyone thought I was mad. As they do, it's like, what are you going to do? How are you going to buy a house? And I was like, <laughs> again, it's quite funny when you think about all that stuff. I was thinking back to my dad and all his clients who were entrepreneurs, and then I realized that they were always on holiday. They always seemed to be on skiing holidays, and I was like, oh, I kind of got this wrong. They were, they were doing the thing that I wanted to do, but I was following what my dad was doing, which was working kind of for them. And he was a successful accountant, you know, in, in his own right. But that professional world, as opposed to the entrepreneurial world, which they kind of got this balance right, they were building this thing that they, they were doing what they loved to do, which was also, and they knew their health was important. And that was something that my dad said to me. He's like, without your health, you're nothing. Ironically, he ended up with uh, Parkinson's and dementia. So that kind of, all of these things happened at a similar time. And I was like, right, it stops here. Left my business. This isn't getting me anywhere. I made a distinct decision to myself to re-track my steps and then replan my future going okay we're going to look at health we're going to look at all of this stuff that then led to meeting Chris and we moved and is that a similar I mean how much does that mirror your circumstances within the music industry as well Chris because I mean I've I've spent some time in the music industry I know that you work with James Lavelle so I mean our paths might have crossed at some point I used, oh, right, to, okay. I used to be part of Gorillas when it when it started up, so oh, okay, right. I spent some evening with James, so I know how they can be. And I think <laughs> I think I've never had one of those evenings yeah. actually. But. So yeah, what what was your? So were you working sim like similarly? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, so I, I yeah, kind of feel like it's kind of I've always been very fortuitous with my life. Like my two things growing up were sports and, and music. I was just mm. I was obsessed with both of them, sports specifically football, and. Um, you know, when that didn't work out very early on at, you know, 16, 17 years of age, uh, you know, it was around that time that my focus turned to music, you know, like my hair was long and I was playing guitar, like all hours that the God gave me, you know, and, and, um, and so kind of, I found my way into working for a record label post-university and, uh, you know, had that cliche or stereotype experience of having a very good time for, for about four or five years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, until I just got to a point where I, it wasn't necessarily a dramatic burnout, but I, I was kind of gifted two fortuitous, for, uh, two fortuitous events. One was in meeting a, a, a woman who completely changed my perspective on everything. She introduced me to art and kind of took me away from this kind of, um, you know, yang, masculine-dominated kind of plowing ahead. I want to be a CEO of a ginormous organization to, why don't we go to these galleries and like just hang out and have conversations and, and kind of really open me up in a different way. And then at the same time, I also... Um, I had an experience where I got really bad um, RSI in my arms, repetitive strain injury, and I, I couldn't type. And it, and it completely threw me because I was on this path of like, I want to dominate as CEO, but all of a sudden I can't type. So how the, how the hell am I going to do that? And, and then that kind of worked in because she introduced me to a Chinese doctor. And that really kind of was a, a definitive point for me where he, you know, he introduced me to Reiki and to, um, to meditation and to acupuncture and to herbal medicine. And he really encouraged me down those routes. And that was kind of one of those paths where it kind of maybe looked like I was just going off a little bit to the right or a little bit to the left. But actually, it just kind of took me way off over a period of time. A little, a little tap on the radar at the beginning. Yeah. It looked like a little divergent path 
yeah, to- but over time it really totally. it really diverges. Yeah, the yeah. combination of of her and him, and and the RSI like really just took me completely off course. And so I started to become really um, frustrated with my job because I just for some unknown reason I just had this gnawing desire to just learn all the time. Which actually, I, you know, if I look at my dad, it's like that's just what he's done with his entire life. That's what's just modelled to me all the time. And so, like, I just felt very frustrated. I worked for a small label, you know, there really was my options were either to go and work for a bigger label and just kind of do the same thing or have more success, but just kind of do the same thing. And the two guys that run it are, are still really great friends of mine and were phenomenal mentors and, you know, really supported me at certain times in my life where, where, I, where I needed it. And, and in fact, Wes, you know, I cycled over to go and take a two hour walk with him the other day, you know, like we're still pretty close. But it just, it just didn't really do it for me. And I, I couldn't, I, I was looking for something more, but I didn't know what it was. And I was kind of, I knew that I just felt, I'd always felt really different than my friends. Like I, I never necessarily want to be better at things. I just, I didn't want to do anything that anyone else was doing. Like it just did not interest me to do the same things, you know, hence growing my hair long or hence, you know, I just, I needed to be different for some reason. And uh, anyway, that kind of culminated in, in realiz- realizing I had to leave that experience but not really knowing how to leave until I just had this moment of clarity where I was like where I was like all I want is more time to do the things I want to do and I was like well if I just didn't have a job then I'd have more time to do the things I didn't want to do and and after spending two or three years trying to work that out and trying to work out how to leave it was within that like that like millisecond of like well I just need to not have a job that was like that's it I'm, I'm done and you know and within a few months I was you know I worked out notice and I just kind of left and and I was <laughs> handed in my notice. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm leaving. And what are you going to do? I was like, I have no fucking idea. I'm just, I'm just leaving. And, uh, and I'll kind of work it out. And I kind of give, I gave myself some parameters, which was like, okay, I've got like three months of savings that I can just kind of experiment and do things I want to do. And I was, you know, I wanted to live in Berlin and I wanted to, to be in New York. And, and I was kind of messing around with the camera and was fortunate to kind of always count discipline as a friend you know, in that I knew that to do things, I just, I needed to kind of still maintain, you know, that kind of nine to five day. It's like, okay, well, if I'm going to do photography, then I need to be working at photography nine to five. It's not, oh, I'll take a picture today and I'll take a picture tomorrow. It's like, you kind of need to, Show up. you know, put the time in to, to develop those skills. And yeah, and then, you know, that kind of, you know, ultimately, I suppose really was a, that whole thing, you know, meeting John, the Chinese doctor and, and the woman and, and Classic name for a Chinese doctor. John, John. yeah, John, John Tasagas, amazing guy. Greece, Greek actually, <laughs> but Chinese doctor. Chinese medicine. Um, it kind of all just kind of melded together. And I've re- I guess really that was the journey of starting to search and starting to get some healing. And I remember having a conversation with him. Was that well, once I've got the RSI sorted out, like, like, what else do I need to heal? <laughs> it's like, mm, yeah, you got, there's a few more things. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that was that wonderful kind of, at times, I think naivety really works for you, and and it ha- and it, ha- it has really worked for me. At times, it's really not served me well at all, um, but um, but in that instance, it did, and and that you know that path ultimately led to me and James kind of hanging out. And yeah, that's exactly where kind of we wanted to go to next. Is like yeah, so how did you two come together, uh, and how did that evolve into becoming like you know into becoming We Move into you becoming the documentarians of contemporary movement culture well we had a we had a uh like a taster session in, <laughs> yeah. in uh like 99 yeah 1999 where we met uh girl, girl i was going out with at the time was in london at uni with chris and then 
we were going out for, I was coming down from Manchester or something and it was like, oh, Chris is going to pick you up from the tube. And <laughs> Chris picked me up at the tube and we had an yeah. evening together. We got on really well. Yeah. And didn't see each other for... See in 15. <laughs> yeah, see in 15 years. <laughs> wow. And then the same girl said, oh, you need to... Like, yeah, you I guess... Need to so, speak to so you know, the time, around the time that I'd left, you know, James had... Around the time I'd left the music label, James had left, uh, you know, the clothing label and, and she just kind of reintroduced us. And so we just kind of hung out and had... You know, we hung out... I think maybe even hung out once. And I think I had sort of said, oh, I'm, I'm just going to go camping up in the Lake District. And James was like, oh, cool, I'll, I'll come. And then, like literally two weeks later, we were hanging out in the Lake District for for a long weekend, and and just kind of, I guess resonating with each other on different ideas, and had that energy of like starting something new, and um, you know wanting to be creative, and and also for me at least, like my relationship with moving was was really changing at that time. Like I'd kind of gone through my twenties, just uh, perpetually injured from various sports, and I, I guess to a degree, kind of burnt out with my movement practices like just always chasing a time or a distance or you know an objective with it and um, something external yeah yeah exactly and, and on that trip I probably hadn't really exercised for about a year at that stage but always been blessed with just kind of good exercising or good fitness genes and muscle memory yeah yeah absolutely and and so you know we we kind of casually well James ca casually said oh we'll, we'll just go running in the mountains and I casually said yeah right and I uh, didn't realize that kind of meant like three hours one day, six hours the next day. And, but you know, it, it, what that, the way that manifested was taking a little bit of food with us, running a bit, stopping, walking, getting in the rivers, you know, and, and over six hours having a really amazing adventure. Not running for time. Yeah. Not uh, running to, to compete in something later. Yeah. Running was really just a tool to have a great day. And we both had the capability of that tool and all the capacity of that tool to be able to do it. And, and you know, I, I remember coming down from the mountain going, oh, I've, I've never run like that. Like, I've never had that experience with sports where it's just like you kind of use it. Like, you're blessed to have the capacity to, to move in that way that facilitates an adventure or facilitates mm. an experience. And it was so enriching to me because it was just the polar opposite of everything I'd, I'd ever done. Again, you know, I'd, I'd kind of approached movement and sports with a very uh, yang or yeah. masculine energy of like, I will crush it and I will get the best time and no one will come near me. And now all of a sudden it's like, we, do you want to just stop and have a chat? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I mean, okay. I say, it's just, I mean, I, you know, you have these realizations all the time, but when you, you know, all these terms we use, crushing it, oh, you smashed it, mate. And it's like, yeah. you keep smashing things. There's one thing that's going to get smashed. Yeah, it's, there's nothing you, left. And it's you. Yeah, but it's yeah. smashed. Yeah. You're smashed. Yeah. 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 Um, and you, you were the man with the plan for a magazine, weren't you? Uh, yes you, and no. I had this idea of, um, so post-clothing label, I was, I was getting really into sport with my, well, I was getting really into running and the clothing label, I could make clothes. So I started to make that within my old business, but it, it was too big a shift from we sell men's casual wear to you know, why do you want to sell running gear? And I was like, well, this is kind of, I think this is going to be the future. You know, people are going to start moving. When was that? 2010. Mm -hmm. okay, so so I, I was ahead. I you was were ahead of the curve. Yeah. yeah. And, and I was like, this is where it's going to be. So I then subsequently left and I was all set to do it again. And I was in a factory again. And I was like, oh, if I just do this again, I'm just going to do what I did again. Just making different just, apparel. Just making clothes. And, and what I realized is it's really easy to make something. 
everyone thinks it's very difficult. It's very easy to make something. You just ask the people that make it to make it for you. That's as simple as it is. Um, you might need an idea, but they show you something and you go, yeah, I like it. Can you make it? And the hard thing is, or what you need is you need the foundations of it. And the foundations of any business are the connections you have with the people that are going to work five, six, seven, maybe eight days a week to earn some money to then buy the thing that you've made. And I was like, that's a huge honor that someone's going to do this thing that they probably don't love to do to buy something that I've made and I really enjoy making it. I was like, wow. So you've got to, you've got to give something back. And, and then I was like, okay, we need, and I called it, we need to lay the pipeline. You can't, you know, gas doesn't just flow. You need a pipeline to move it from one place to the other. I was like, okay, we're going to start the long way around. We're going to build a pipeline. Well, we're going to clear the ground first. Then we're going to put the pipeline in. Then we're going to decide what needs to go through that pipe. So I, I created this deck and I showed you that, I showed Chris the deck in, in the pub at the campsite when we were going for a run and we were just talking about stuff. And there were probably very similar ideas that we'd both had in our previous jobs going, if everyone's just doing the same thing, expecting to get a different result, it's not happening and they're just wondering why it doesn't work. It's like, well, if you just don't spend on that, spend on this, it'll probably work. You know, just divert the resources. But you can't do that because the way that in industries work is they're, they're like flowing. So it started off as a deck and it had all these various things. And I've kind of got grand ideas, but it, my MO, my modus operandi was how far can you go if you never get broken? Having the right team around you that never lets you get broken, they, you're going to get broken, but they're going to steer you in and go, you know, and that would be amazing. Like ultimately, like my, my kind of goal is like, imagine a health insurance that isn't about repairing when you're broken. It's going, okay, what do you want to achieve in life? This much, you're going to invest in yourself with this insurance and we're going, and we're going to provide the people that will support you to achieve that. And then you start to build something much bigger because I think everyone has a limitless potential, but we often don't have the people around us to achieve that. So that was kind of like lofty goal. Okay, we're going to go here. And then this deck started with, we moved to Feel Alive. And I was like, we're going to start with a magazine. That was pr kind of pre-Chris. I was like, I'm just going to start a magazine. And I remember speaking to a friend of mine. who Ever done any print before? No, or? no, no, no. But, we'll, you know, never made clothes before. So how hard can How different is it? Yeah. Um, yeah, we're just going to go. And... And Chris came around, I think it was the third time we'd met, and I was like, I'm going to start a magazine. And he was like, oh, okay. 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 And, um, and I said, like, well, how hard can it be? Because all a magazine is printing on paper, right? And ideas. Well, no, it's just printing on paper. That's what a magazine is. The ideas are separate, but we're just going to print on paper, pictures and words on paper. Big like, ideas. That's yeah. a, top line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, don't, don't bother me with the details. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to, you know, a big corporation of a board meeting is like, just big ideas, that's it. And then we walk off. And I'd got one person to see. I'd bought this book in Foils in London, which was Freestyle Connection, written by a CrossFit gymnast coach called Carl Powley. And for some reason, I was just like, I'm just going to buy that book. That's, that's the start. And it was like the four basic movements, squat, press, push, pull. And I was like, brilliant. So I just emailed him and said, starting a magazine, love to come and see you. And he's like, I'm in San Francisco. And it's like, okay, okay, cool. I'll come and see you. Then Chris was around at my house and he was like, who's going to take your pictures? And I was like, I just buy a camera, take some pictures. Like, again, how hard, I've got a phone. 
you know? And he's like, well, I'll be in LA when you're going to be in San Francisco. And I was like, cool, I've got a photographer. We met in LA, we got in the car and we, we created a magazine. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty, it's kind of quite simple, you know, in essence, but also it's just kind of um, not complicating it. Like, it, like you know, at its, at its most basic element, it's just going to see someone, you know, having a conversation with them and then, you know, accompanying it with, with some pictures. And it's, and that's just kind of how we did the first one. And then what we kind of realized was it's like once you've got, there's a, there's a great William H. Murray quote that, that kind of actually saw me through leaving full-time hobby and uh, the record label. And it, and it, you know, to paraphrase it, it says something along the lines of, you know, you just have to take the first step. And once you take the first step, providence moves for you. And it was that. And it's just like, you just have to take the first step. And all these unforeseen doors and all these obstacles just kind of move out of the way for you. It's like, but you have to commit. And it's like, you know, once you're willing to show your commitment to it, then, then you know, the powers that be will, will show their commitment back to you. And, and that's kind of how it, how it started. So, you know, we went to see Carl and, and then it was like, cool, where should we go next? Or, you know, you guys should go and check out this person. And, you know, our, our energy is very genuine. When we go to see people, it's like we, we're not going in there to try and rape and pillage their knowledge. We're going in there to kind of sit like a, almost like in, in satsang with them and, and just like, okay, we, we would love to have a conversation with you and, and whatever it is that you would like to share with us, we would be really grateful to hear as opposed to like, I want to know your deepest secrets so I can go and replicate this system. It's like you can't replicate anyone's system because everyone's system is a, an embodiment of their entire lives. You know, you can replicate it step by step, but you'll never get to wherever they've got from, uh, got to. So it's like, don't, you know, just go and listen and see what it is that they want to share. And just by being there with that energy of like, we're open to, to hearing, they'll share with you more than you could ever hope and contemplate to get from them. And, th and then you start to develop really genuine relationships. So, you know, so for example, well, you know, we're still good friends with Carl. Yeah, we, we're still really great Six friends with Carl. Old. And it's like, you know, um, we spent, the, the example that comes to mind is Erwin Lacour, you know, he developed more than that. And it's like, you know, we, we count Erwin and his, and his wife, Jessica, and their kids as, as really close friends. And, you know, we've been to stay with them like three or four times. Just like, hey, we're going to be in New Mexico. Yeah, come stay with us. We'll take you to the hot springs. And, and it's like, and we go and we're just respectful and we're grateful of their time. And, and they, you know, and they, and they, give their, they give that back to us. And it's like, you know, so it's, so it's that. It's like, we knew we were going to do a magazine, but it's rather than, try and find every obstacle possible it's like we just kind of go and we have that intention and and we don't try and get in the way of it so when james told you i'm gonna do a magazine you were kind of yes let's do it not, not really because I, I didn't really know what that meant I was but just it, like, it I was, was like, the first time you worked together and you see yeah. each other is oh your energy is working together yeah i mean like we didn't get we didn't we didn't complicate it all we needed to do was go and interview that one person and have a conversation as it happened we came back after that two weeks or three weeks because we went uh, we to Japan afterwards Japan. yeah we came out with like two thirds of a magazine and it's kind of inconceivable to to start in LA and say okay in three weeks time we're going to have 100 pages of a magazine like you just like it's too, it's too big like you can't comprehend having 100 pages of a magazine in three weeks but just by going where we were and being open to it so for example from there we went to Yosemite and we had this this really um, incredible time and and I think I said to James oh, there's a feature here and it's, it's about the lessons that we've learned. And it took me about three months to write it and it was five paragraphs. And it was, but it, I just needed it to, to kind of like to sit and reflect on it and let it come out. And then, you know, also in Yosemite, we, we bumped into a climber called uh, Ron Kalk and like that became a couple of pages. And then from there we went, you know, we went to somewhere else and a couple more features popped up. And it's like, we didn't, we couldn't, we couldn't plan a hundred pages of a magazine in, in three weeks. 
there's just there's not enough time to get 100 pages in three weeks but in that way there is enough time to get 100 pages in three weeks because you're open to what you're being shown and you start to see the connections well i think we could have done 300 pages so how many magazines you you made two two magazines yeah Mm. because they weren't really magazines i think magazine is i guess the first bit for me is like why a magazine a magazine was that thing that was non uh divisive it doesn't really come with a charge if we make clothes it's very divisive it's like i've got enough clothes i don't need them or i don't like the color or i don't like this but when it's about sharing stories people want to talk because there's there's kind of no ulterior motive in the magazine it's like we want to put your experience in your wisdom in here for other people it's like cool and so that was how that came about. Then we went on these journeys, a great way of getting to know someone. Like the best, the best uh, team training I think you could do for any kind of relationship is get in a hire car with someone and drive across a state. Sleep in the car. Because you find out all the things that you don't really like about someone. When you're both really tired, you're like, what do you want to do for food? Yeah. What do you want to do for food? Yeah. <laughs> like that starts to show you someone's personality. And, and like, you know, okay, cool. Why don't we go and do that? It's yeah. like, you know, the, the intricacies of a relationship really start to show themselves, you know? Yeah, and we're still doing it. And we're, st- we're about to go on a, you know, film someone on a two-week run and kind of get in a car again. But it's it becomes fun. We know we have a very strong strong connection with each other to go and do things that will become uncomfortable but we're quite comfortable within that and uh, we know we're going to fall out halfway through we know we're going to make up again we know you know all of this stuff I take care of food Chris takes care of time I mean that time of food you're kind of done aren't you oh that's brilliant it works we don't do it the other way because it doesn't work yeah we have our roles we know we know our roles yeah you know and from the magazine goes the podcast. I like stories. It's much easier a podcast than a magazine, maybe. It, it became a real natural evolution. I mean, you know, like a 10-page feature in a magazine is maybe like 10 minutes of conversation. There's only so much you can put in. Mm-hmm. And obviously, when you have a conversation, you know, it's, you know, we were finding, let's say, they're an hour to an hour and a half. So it's, you're kind of trying to, dist- in a magazine, you're trying to distill an hour and a half's conversation into yeah. the or most a, important Or a day with someone. Yeah, yeah, precisely. So, you know, so the, so the podcast became a really... A really natural thing to to do and it's like you also get to the point you know with the magazine you're like well you know we've covered so much in two magazines you know that's, that it, it what you know, each magazine is 164 pages so it's 320 pages like how many times do you need to talk about water if you haven't listened to it the first time you're not going to listen to it the second time you know how many times do you need to discuss you know this or that and so it's like well we kind of feel like we've put all the fundamentals down in in a magazine the fundamentals to the degree that we understand them at this point in time um they're kind of like manuals, I think. Mm. When you, I think you only need, if you're at that point we were going, oh, health, career, this, that, and the other, which way should I go? I think if, you, if someone was to spend time with, with those two guides, that would, because it's not about telling someone follow the path that I've gone on. It's going, look, there are these tools. Use them however you want, at any time you want. They're, they're pretty good tools to have. That's something I find interesting. Something you were saying, something I find interesting. But you were saying about pursuing things in a yang way, in an external, in an external way. And what I hear when I listen to to the podcast as well is that it's quite intuitive, and you go, 
you go with the conversations and, and, the, and the way that you find guests. They appear and they're through connections. Um, it's that point of transition that I can't, I'm, I'm kind of quite interested in uh, asking you about. Is that you both had movement practices before and you've got movement practices now. Um, I know that you were, as you said, you were running. And I've heard you say before that somebody said to you, what am I running? What were you running yeah, from? Yeah, yeah. And you played football and mm. triathlon as well, right? Yeah. And I know that you both got, you know, you, bo you both ended up with injuries from that. I've heard you say that it's like the, it was the sit that, that the injuries were like more of a symptom of living suboptimally. I wonder if you could uh, like unpack that idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose, I suppose to me, my injuries were because I, was, I kept going so hard. <laughs> you know, it's like I would get a football injury and then, you know, three months later, I'd just go out and, and try and do the same thing again at the same pace rather than kind of maybe easing in. So, so you know, I kind of stopped playing football in my probably in my mid-20s because was, it, was, it was just stopping me from doing anything else. Like I would damage a hamstring three months out, come back within like two weeks, damage something else. And it, it became really frustrating for me. Uh, interestingly, <clears throat> now that I think about it, in the maybe like the final year or so, maybe 18, year to 18 months of being at that, um, yeah, it would have been like the final 18 months of being at the record label, I started what I guess what would be considered to some degree energy practices in that, I took up yoga. I, I started doing Ashtanga for the first time. I hadn't, and the reason I did Ashtanga was because it was close enough to an, a, a yang exercise for me that, you know, that it was a, a doorway. And I also took up Tai Chi, maybe for like sort of six, six to 12 months. And that kind of, they were fundamental to a transition for me. And, and I've never really kind of gone back to those, you know, like much longer, harder pursuits of football, running, triathlons. Like, you know, I, still cycle a bike and stuff and you know still will run very occasionally but not in the way that I did so yeah so yeah I, I wonder you know, I mean it's like I wonder what's different about your movement practices now how it, I think mine was very one-sided when I was climbing I blew my shoulders up because I was just trying to get stronger and actually, I hear I hear that yeah, yeah I've blown my back up trying to get so trying to get stronger right and yeah. what do you do you build weakness into this yeah because you're just forcing your way through it yeah. and I think then when I was running I developed a stress fracture because I was running too much like not listening and yeah not listening not listening and and I think that my movement practice now I wrote a post today on Instagram like I think I think performance is one thing but performance does lead to well one side of performance leads to imbalance and then like health is a uh, to me it's like the it's the overlap of mind body self that one body self that i say yeah it, it's and they're the completeness of each part so actually being strong is fantastic i think everyone should be strong but i also have a well had a an ashtanga practice but didn't i mean my my experience of ashtanga maybe has been slightly different yes their postures and a lot of people a lot of yogas you know, i don't like ashtanga i thought it was great it was a real test on mentally where i am and it was uh, one of the, I guess, one of the first generation of yogis under Patabi Joyce said the purpose of primary series is to strip your body of all of its strength. And that really stuck with me because for me, strength was a really important thing. So I was like, okay, I've got to give this thing up. I think is really important. So it's like, okay, where's this going to go? So like surrender that, become very flexible. And then second series builds the strength up. But when you've got the openness in the body, then you start layering on the strength. And I was like, that's a really interesting idea. And I practice CrossFit and I practice yoga. And 
to me that kind of works like i my body needs to be under load it grounds me mine too yeah i i really i really hear that i mean paul check talks about the same thing yeah working in working out the the four doctors yeah yeah if you have if you if one of the doctors isn't present then you're gonna fall yeah you're gonna fall like the tripod's gonna fall like yeah it's gonna fall over yeah you need to be strong definitely to feel to feel grounded otherwise you feel like you're not having enough juice for living so i can hear that it was maybe yoga who bring us bring you kind of in a track of more listening at your body yeah i mean you know i feel like my movement practice now has become like i just James and I talked about this, I think right from the beginning actually, where it's just like, I just want to be able to do whatever I want to be able to do. And I want to be able to keep up with everyone. And it's, you know, and it's like, so I, I can do a bit of CrossFit, you know, like, you know, we came and trained today and it was like, cool, you know, like, yeah, I can do CrossFit with everyone. Or it's like, I'm going to get my bike and yeah, I can kind of keep up with everyone. And it's like, probably not actually that good at any of them, but it's like, I'm good enough to be able to keep up with everyone. And I, and I'm, I have no interest in, well, I can temper my interest in trying to win. <laughs> like I realize that that's something else that's kind of coming in and, and actually, you know, it's a Wednesday afternoon and we're in a box or, you know, and it's like, I don't really need to, I don't need to come first in the, in, you know, in the, in the wad type thing. So um, it kind of, for me, it just feels more kind of, it feels like I come from, at it from a more feel basis. Like I did yoga cause it felt good. Cause you know, my body just felt tight and, you know, I did, or I do CrossFit stuff because it's just kind of, I like doing pull-ups. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it seems like a, you have quite a long time practicing your body. You did, you, you did it. You, you did mm. this, you do that. You break your body, you restore your body. And yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know how old are you, but there is a stage of your life when you, when, when you have been feeling the body in all those stages. Yeah, say, we're, we're yeah. 62 now. <laughs> so we're, you know. Combined age. Yeah. Combined, yeah. No, we're yeah, both 40. I'm, yeah, both 40. So, yeah, yeah my, my body feels the best yeah. it's ever felt. Absolutely. You know? I feel, well, when you have such a long practice, I, I'm a yogi and I, I did also the Ashtanga and all the crazy postures. And then I become a mom and my body, it didn't break up because of the yoga, but it broke up because pregnancy as I deliver. And then when you have all these breakups, you feel, well, you know, it's okay right now. Or maybe you can, I can push in this moment here. I, 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 I'm all right because I... I did the job in, and I look at my body can bring it back into that strength if I want it, if I have the energy, obviously, also. I think it's that. It's like if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. It's and, more, and, uh, more like a choice now. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, okay, do I, I feel like I just, like Chris, I just want to be able, I want to be competent and, and uh, whole. I don't have to be at the extreme of each, like mind, body. I just want them to be complete. Congruent. So I have a choice to go, mm. okay, let's take it up a level it, rather than that one's empty. And it's like, oh man, because that's how it was before. It's like probably spiritually. Actually, spiritually, I wasn't disconnected, but I wasn't, I wasn't uh, full. Or it wasn't a part of your movement. It, uh, yeah, it just wasn't. But I always felt that way, but then suppressed it for the achievement. And then actually when you build all those things in, you go, cool. You w- I heard a great... Um, Jordan Peterson talking is like when kids are little and it's like teaching your kid. It's not just about winning, it's how you play the game. And he was saying like when kids, they could win 20 goals to one. And he's like, just when you get to seven, it's like, that's enough. You don't need to completely destroy the kid that's on the other side because you don't know what that's going to do. It's like seven's enough. Like if we want to do it, if you want to go to 20, we can, but I don't need to. And I think that's... I thought that was really cool. Just like, yeah, I, you don't need to 
destroy everything yeah. in your midst because then there's nothing and no one to be with. No, right, right. How do you decide the We Move, the name of your podcast? How, how come into life We Move? Ah, oh, you know, I'm going to put my podcast, I'm going to call the podcast We Move. Well, it was the this deck that um, was put together, the opening light. I've got a way of that I like to do decks, and it's like a big statement at the front. It said, we move to feel alive. And I was like, I saw that, and I was like, okay, that's the name of the magazine. And then, obviously, it's the name of the magazine. That transitions into a podcast. But I think it's not I move. I can do anything, but what's the point of me just doing it on my own? I think there's a, you know, we came together and created this thing. And it's like, we're always moving. We're always moving through time, space. So movement is just important. Movement isn't sport. And I think that's where we've got to. There's, there's so much more in movement than, yeah. than the physicality yeah. of it. It gets lost in, in uh, movement culture. And it's uh, about a single arm handstand. It's like, knock yourself out, kids. You know, do that. And it's, like, it's amazing. Love it. Would love to be able to do it. But I don't need to do it. And I don't need to do it because someone else is doing it for me to admire. And I can really see the, the beauty in that. Dean, um, the, the podcast explores the intersection between sport, movement, health and well-being. But like, like when I'm listening to the interviews and I'm, I'm normally listening when I'm training, I always, get, I always get the impression that it's like it isn't about the movement. It's about, it's about the experience of the movement. It's that the body and the movement are the catalyst really for taking into a bigger understanding of wellness that's the way that's what i always hear from all of your conversations it's that it's through coming into connection with the body and it's through moving that we come to understand what, what wellness is is that yeah would you agree with that uh, i i would agree what i and i'm going to pass it to chris in a sec because he said something fantastic uh, unknowingly but it became part of the <laughs> film that we did um not that chris doesn't say fantastic things it's just in this time he didn't um no I often think that like the words really distract sport, movement, health and wellness because I think it's all just a feeling. And the more we talk to people, I mean, when we met Carl, he was like, his book was like, move how you feel you want to move. There's no right or wrong way to do a handstand. You either hold it or you don't. So if you're holding it in your way, you're holding it in your way. Like there might be more mechanically efficient ways of doing it but do it by feel, do, do what feels good for your body because you don't know what someone's body can do. Or, and, and I think that's, I often get like the words lose, they confuse people. Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, I'm doing the movement. Yeah, how exactly you arrived to that conclusion? Because when I teach uh, um, somatics, this is a very, well, very somatic way of explaining mm -hmm. movement, what you're saying. Uh, how was the story behind that now knowledgeable body thought, um, body movement and thought? I don't necessarily know the answer to that question. What I do feel, and it's something that we, I think we spoke about on the phone, I think this word industry gets in the way. So we have a, well, we have a clothing industry that wants to sell something to you, so they make yoga clothes. So yoga then has a, an archetypal uh, aesthetic And what's interesting... And a definition. And a definition. And, it's an and it is an industry. And it's an industry. And I, and we, I think, we've commodified it. Yeah, and food, the same. You know, all, I, th I was thinking all our problems have come because of industry. Like food has been ruined because of industry. You know, clothes have been ruined because of industry because we now have to pay children 
you know, well, we, we don't pay children to make the clothes so we can have them cheaper. Like, no, none of it really works rather than a respect for things. And I think what we've been hearing in all of, from the first interview with Carl that we did through our own experience to, to the most recent podcast we've done, everyone's questioning the names that have been given to the things that they then do. Yoga being a, a big one. And I think it's, you know, all the Ashtang... It, there's a big shift going on. There is, and it's and it's becoming somatic. S somatic isn't sexy, and somatic's too general. But that's where it is, because actually we're just humans, you know. Uh, it's very sensual, though, somatic, because you enter into your. But it isn't own sexy. State. But you've 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 experienced this as well, isn't it? Trying to Through sell it, yeah. trying to sell it, isn't sexy. When you yes. set up a somatic class, people people want to come and go through what it's they still, know. Still, still, I, I I cannot get how to put my my workshops into a, a name that it could that people can understand it yeah. how it is sensuality is a feeling because mm. when people try and sell sensuality it tends to be a scantily clad woman and you're like well that's not that's just a semi-clothed woman it's not really it's sensual just, per yeah. se because that's just my observation it's, or, it's, or feeling it's of what it, is. it may be a representation yeah. of sensuality but it's very wrote it's another, it's another it's, yeah it's another things become like really watered down and we had this slogan no labels no boundaries and i was thinking about that the other day because boundaries are really important but don't tie yourself so much to a name or a word that your identity becomes so embodied in that that the moment something happens because usually we revere these people at the top of the pedestal and then they tend to do something, as is the way, you know, they touch someone inappropriately, not going to mention any names, but, you know, and those men have often worn tight shorts in hot rooms, you know. Um, that's brilliant, that, hearing that. But they've created methods, and people have well, tied it. themselves they've, they've to that. They've commodified it, yeah. haven't they? Well, and, and that's what we do in the West, isn't it? We, like, it's like, we sell things, we, we create a unit that people have to buy, and they need to rebuy it, and there's no different between... A yoga mat and a coffee cup. It's like it's a repeat business, isn't it? You're not. You can't sell a felt sense of of oneness. And, and I think that worries that worries industry, but it connects humans. Mm. Yeah. And that's a really exciting place to be because then it's how we communicate. And I think podcasts, etc. Because okay, cool. I need a yoga mat because I, you know, I'm conditioned. Because actually, we don't need anything. But I think this about uh, consumption, we have to go through the process of consumption. It's like knock yourself out, buy everything you can, because at some point you'll realize, and it might be actually your grandchildren realize, that you don't need to buy all the stuff to feel good. Or you might get it after a year of doing, oh, I don't really feel like good about what I'm doing. So you then start to look at it and then you reappropriate it. But no labels, no boundaries, but also not having a label and not having a boundary challenges someone's identity because most people have been told that they're not enough yeah and that they can't feel I was chatting to a friend today as we were training and, and it was this idea of um to do anything you have to love yourself to be in a relationship you're in a relationship with someone else but I believe it's the quality of that relationship is determined by how much you love yourself it doesn't matter about the other person if you love yourself you can you can love them enough to go this isn't right for me you know what love is. Yeah. If you don't love yourself, you you have no. It, you're you're trying to be validated. Yeah. Or trying to externally seek love, which is just a yang way to go yeah. after love. <laughs> and then I thought, well, actually, I think we all know. Well, we all love ourselves. We might have been disconnected from that feeling because we've been told to seek it externally, but 
things have just it, got in the but way. But it's innate. It's an, it's yeah. absolutely innate. I mean, there's something that I heard. It, it's I mean, what you're talking about is wholeness, isn't it? And it's it's about where I was going to go next is about the you know is it is a spiritual thing. And I mean, I've heard. I mean, I remember on the Dan Brule interview. Yeah, you were, yeah you were saying that it, that movement practice is becoming spiritual practice. And I also want to know what the brilliant thing was. The <laughs> well, the brilliant thing was, yeah. uh, we did a video, which was our last trip to America. And uh, Chris no, wanted, it was the second, one, the second last one. Second to last one, Chris shot this uh, little film on Super 8. And it was just a, an intro we'd done from a podcast with... Mary Beth Helen. Mary Beth Helen. And it was basically saying what you said, like, we started off with movement, but then we realized that movement wasn't the thing. It was just uh, like a gateway to start to know thyself. Uh, and I, I think that's where movement is amazing and sport is amazing. But I think you go sport, you realize that actually the industry of sport, we don't need to compete against anyone. We can start to do the movement and feel it. Then if you feel safe in that feeling, then you start to go, oh, what's that feeling? And someone else says, oh, I was having a really tough day last night, last, you know, yesterday. And they're like, so was I. You start to have this totally different conversation and discourse with someone all through lifting weights. And then it becomes okay. You've suddenly received permission to go, I don't need to lift. I don't need to go for a PB every lift. I can do it when I feel good. And then you're like, oh, wow, this is different. So it means I don't have to... And you shouldn't go for a PB and, every and lift. For... I have I've, I've spent time going yeah, for yeah. PBs I, every And lift. I think that just it just naturally cascades. Yeah. And for some people, it's quicker than others. And, and just the way that Chris... And, you either, uh, and if it doesn't cascade, you break. And that's part of the cascade. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's just like a blockage in the, in the waterfall, isn't it? The, and so, Chris, that was the brilliant thing that Chris said. And it just, it just summed up where we got to with We Move perfectly. Because when we started, it was about movement. And then it kind of has gone through to absolutely movement is essential. But do whatever feels good. Do whatever feels good. You know, as swing a resource, your arms around. resourcing yeah. yourself. Yeah, mm -hmm. and and then because uh, it's about knowing thyself. When you know yourself, then you're comfortable with yourself. Then you've wrestled the outer world, and then then you feel good to then be authentic in the outer world because you're whole inside. And then you can start to do the magic stuff because you're just solid and you're you. And I think that's where I would like to think we are now lots of our friends have probably cracked on you know in a certain way and you're like cool it's like they're looking old they look 10 years older than we do because they can be keep pushing yeah and into the yeah, industry yeah world. and it's like i know where that's gonna go mm -hmm. it's for you the same chris <laughs> you know what's funny it's like what's what's in my mind is just like the concept of movement actually i don't really pay that much priority to movement <laughs> Like I like I like to move, and I, or in fact, I love to move, and I love to have the capacity to move. But you know, like we were saying, it's just it's just a tool. Like everything is a tool, and it's not the end goal. And it's you know, it's just a methodology to or a tool to be able to to kind of peel away those layers and learn more and more about oneself. And 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 you can do that with movement. You can also do it obviously many, many different things. It's just that f for me, for us, it's been the one thing that's been constant throughout our entire lives. And it's also an amazing feeling when you do move because we all ha we all have bodies. Yeah. So it's like, get the most out of what you're born with. Like we have a body, we have mm. a mind, we have a soul. Yeah, and moving in that way, you don't feel stuck. Uh, I, I feel that 
while you practice your movement and you enjoy your movement, you translate it to life. You can you can move towards the the what it makes you feel good. If 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 I practice weightlifting or yoga and and I do it in a safe way that it makes me feel good, no sick or injured, I think so that translates to your life too. That you you do the same. You move towards life into the same philosophy. Let's do it in in a way that it it feels safer all parts of my body yeah i think it just translates across everything you know you move a bit better and you're like oh i don't feel like eating that pizza tonight i feel like i feel like having some like a salad like where did that come from it came from your body telling you what to eat and you're like oh wow that's cool and then you feel better and then it just these little things oh it's super cool because when you get on that road rather than going i must be healthy yeah it just it almost increases your capacity for other things you know it's a conduit to other other realms and so it's so it's an essential part of it but it's not the only part like you see people become so obsessed with what they're doing that it could then it turn becomes, into the other way it becomes derogatory you know it you know they become completely kind of caught in a in a circle of just like this is everything i do and you know particularly now even doing eating healthy yeah could be very yeah yeah exactly it's like they can't give themselves a break to have like a chocolate bar or whatever else it's like at the end of life that one chocolate bar is not going to have you know it's not going to be the difference whether you walk through you know the gates of heaven or the gates of hell do you know what i mean it's like it doesn't it it doesn't it it doesn't work in that yeah it doesn't seem to work in that way so yeah i think also it's an expression of sovereignty it's like you know by being able to move you have capacity to be freer yeah. You know, if, if I'm like 200 pounds overweight, then it's like, you know, I'm limited in what I can do, you know, whether that's moving, you know, to another country or sitting in a car for eight hours to go across the country or, you know, just to go and walk down the shops to see your friends or whatever. It's like, you know, it's actually having a movement practice gives you freedom. You don't have to be the greatest person in the world. At it. You just have to have the capability and the capacity to be able to do it. And, uh, you know, it's probably one of my biggest drivers, having having freedom and sovereignty to do what I want whenever I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so during the, the the four years of being on the of being on the road, um, talking to people who inspire you, what, I mean, what have been some of the what what like, like stand out like what some standout things that have said to you that the key insights that you, that you you've heard? Um, um, yeah, from whom? I mean, I mean, we're 150 podcasts. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I, yeah. Um, I mean, I can probably you know for me really it's about like the the unspoken. Um, and by that, what I mean is the time that we've spent with people is is more special than the words that I've heard. Because, you know, the words that we've heard, we've probably read a thousand times in different places. So it's like, you know, what what is it, you know, you kind of come away with, you come away with, yeah, okay, of course, you know, there might be one point or a couple of poignant things that you remember for the rest of your life. But really, I think it's the experience and the, and the energy that's been exchanged. You know, and the one that my mind always goes to is, is, um, is spending time with Ron Kalk in, in, um, in Yosemite for several reasons. One is, like his relationship with his movement, I would sum it up as saying, uh, you know, his movement was a, was a tool for him to be able to connect with something much greater than himself. You know, he talks about when he climbed, you know, he was one of the greatest climbers of, of all time. You know, and he talks about, you know, he would ask the rock if he could go and climb it. You know, he would give thanks. He would, you know, he had a, a um, he, you know, he would see the sun every morning. Like he would wake up with the sunrise every morning. It was like he was connected to the earth. And, you know, when you spend time with people like that, you know, you're like, oh, I've, I've got to go and make that class tonight. Maybe I don't actually have to make that class tonight. Actually, maybe, you know, 
walking barefoot on the earth and and giving thanks for the kind of shelter that the trees provided and you know and, and having that cup of tea that we had you know that we collected the sticks with to kind of make the fire you know that was that was actually a true expression you know yeah, and, and so with the elements yeah yeah absolutely and um so you know for me and and also it just being in yosemite and we've we spent a couple of times with him now or a couple of different occasions yosemite for me is like a power place it's like it's it's so like these places on earth and, you know. Land has energy, don't they? I mean, there's... Well, that's a spirit. That, yeah, uh, of course, that, yeah. That's a spiritual part of movement. When you really move your hands to praise the sun for in giving thanks to walk on land and kiss the earth with your feet, that's, yeah. that's the movement that it really gives you power. Yeah, right. And, and Yosemite is one of those places for me. Joshua Tree is one of those places. The pyramids yeah. are one of those places, and so you know, spending time with someone who was who was. There's con- a feeling when you work walk into certain places. Yeah, um, Marcella and I met in I- Ibiza, and right. it's like we can, you know we go backwards and forth. we've been backwards and forwards a lot. Marcella's taught there, and you know um, we spent two seasons there. And you can think, oh, we're going to Ibiza, and then I then I land, and I get off the plane, and I'm like. Oh, I'm here. Well, I lived in a part of Ibiza in San Carlos, up in the mountain with, I mean, very little people around in in agritourism and, yeah. And I think those places also, like I I keep having this experience this year, actually, that, you know, I live in London and I, I, like I had this experience yesterday, like I went out to see my parents in in the countryside. Yeah, and I I had at a certain point yesterday, I just had this wave of anxiety wash over me and I was you know, I can kind of recognize it so I don't get caught, washed away with it. And I realized that the, the reason I had the wave of anxiety was because like, I'm just filling my time in London. I'm just distracting myself constantly. Like I've got these yeah. emails to send, I've got these photos to retouch, I've got da da da. So it's like, I actually, I don't get to spend any time just connecting. And you know, when you get out to these places in Yosemite, one of them, like you, like all you can do is connect. Like you are like on a super highway to connection with something greater and, and, you know, there is no distraction from it. Like you don't want to pick your phone up. You don't want to piss around with technology. You don't want to, you know, waste your time. It's like you're there. And first um, of all, the place doesn't have to have Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it, Connection is the word. That, I mean, it's again, Paul yeah. Check. That's exactly what he says. Um, that's his word for what spirituality is. It's, yeah, it's yeah. connection, and it's yeah, connection yeah. to the whole. It's that yeah. feeling. <laughs> yeah, and you know, um, Jamie Will reminded us or, or told us of a quote from Osho where he said, you know, see the extraordinary in the ordinary. Like every moment is extraordinary. It's just that we've been conditioned or we've forgotten, you know, we've completely forgotten. Yeah, yeah. Um, to realize that every moment is a gift. And then you get to somewhere like Yosemite or the pyramids or, or Joshua Tree. And it's like you have these profound experiences internally where you're just, you know, you're so, so overwhelmed by the, I don't know, the portal of energy that it is that you're like. <laughs> from being, like, just yeah. from being in there and, and recognizing. Yeah. And yeah. then so when you're with someone like Ron, for me, when you're with someone like Ron, that's, that's kind of subtly reminding you and prodding you, even though you don't realize that that's what he's doing, but he's, he's connecting with you in a deeper way. And he's saying, you know, you know, don't just go and climb on the rock and be ignorant of the rock. It's like, go there and realize it's been there for 10 million years. And it's like, it's facilitating this experience for you, you know, and you're like, Fuck, you know, wow, this is like, <laughs> oh my God, you know. So, so it's having those experiences. And, and I don't ever think there's been a podcast we've had where, where we haven't, or I haven't enjoyed it. It's just, you know, there's certain ways you have podcasts and, and, that, and with him, it was in his home, in Yosemite Valley, you know, the day before we sat there for six hours just chatting, and we, we were like, we need to come back. Could have recorded Yeah, we, we need to come back. And the next day we, we came back and we recorded for two hours. It's like, you know, there's something's happening within that time that you, that you, 
that thank God we didn't record the first day, you know, because it would have changed it. And thank God we had the, the ability to go back the second day and record it. But then there's other podcasts that we record in my flat in London and it's like, they're great podcasts and we're told really profound things, but it, it's just not quite the same, you know? It, it just has a different, it has a different purpose, uh, you know? So um, for me, like, you know, hanging out with Ron just is, is special. Yeah, I, I, there, is, there are so many. It's, it's kind of hard to think. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I could think of any one thing because like Chris says, they all, they're all saying a similar thing, actually, everyone that we speak. But I think you need to, I, I think it's all about flavors. You change when you, you kind of resonate with the flavor that you really like, but it's, all, it's kind of all ice cream, you know. But you go, that's the one I want, and that changes uh, you. So for like Chris, it was Ron. Ron was amazing. I met um, Petri Ryzen and, and Ashtangi when we were in, in India, that was that was really special to hear him talk, just talk about how he, you know, how he found it. But I think everyone's saying, I mean, we've had this really. Um, we've recently started doing this series, "Movement and the Search for Meaning," where it's really the title says it all, doesn't it? Yeah, Movement and the search, and it's meaning. come. We've come away from uh, spending time with you know experts in quotation marks to to real people in quotation marks and. And, you know, hearing their reasons for why they move and it's like, well, I moved to deal with my grief, right? You know, I moved because, you know, my father had a stroke and I needed to connect with him or, you know, I moved because, you know, it's my way of coping with my girlfriend trying to commit suicide. And it's like, like they're stories that you can kind of really resonate with because, you know, movement isn't about, you know, taking a second off of your time. You know, if you, if you really strip it back, like, like we would be led to believe and and you know there's always it's coming back isn't it it's coming like that like, like this morning with everything that i had to deal with um with my, you know uh, we were coming to interview you i have to take my mother to hospital i took i took 20 minutes out just to do a practice on the mat and i came to the body and it was like oh yeah i can i can be with i can i'm here i'm okay um so that's so that's been like a really nice experience to have you know to to speak to you know those people on it who are on a maybe a different level or there's a different energy that's being shared you know there's somewhat of an expert energy with many people that we've we've spent time with and which is which is amazing yeah which is which is incredible you know uh, you know because we're learning but from I, but I this one is all, a, i listen to the experts and i and i love the the new the new season as well because everyday people are it's like there's, they're no mm. less insightful. They have no yeah, less yeah. experience. They're no less eloquent. Yeah. Every every, um, every, gift, every moment's extraordinary. Yeah. You know? Like we have a final question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We always like to ask at the end of the show something you can share, um, a movement practice, a thought, uh, just to give to our listeners that, that bring bring them into the body. I mean, the, the obvious one... <laughs> And it's not really where I'm at at the moment. Like I'm kind of in the esoteric world where I'm like spending a lot of time, you know, in prayer or in meditation or, you know, but um, actually just getting into cold water, like uh, cold water in nature. So like a lake or a sea, it's like you, you're just kind of, particularly the sea, because you have to deal with so many different elements, like the current, the waves, the cold, the rocks. You know, it's like you, like it really pulls you, like wherever you are, it's like whatever emotion you're in or, or anything. It's like you, it just doesn't allow you the, it doesn't allow you the space to kind of piss around. It's like whoop, straight, straight back in, you know. The cold is an amazing teacher, isn't it? Well, yeah, but, right? but yeah. the cold but is you're, very. But you were talking about something more because you used to run deep ice meditations, didn't you? Well, yeah, and the cold's different. Like, you know, for me, like being in the freezer, 
So being in the cold in the freezes are much more kind of uh, uh, synthetic experience than being in, in a very cold sea or being in a very cold lake, you know. And, and the freezer I love and it, it has a, you know, again, it's really great at pulling you out of wherever you're at and pulling you into your body. But it's just, I don't know, like I feel like I get in the water and I'm like, I'm kind of immersing myself into nature. You we, know? We've been to, we've, we've been to like, heat and ice ceremonies but on, on Brighton Beach Marcella's just walks off and goes in the she's into the sea yeah but there's nothing like being in the mountains yeah, yeah. like it's it's all the same but a simple just, version of it I mean is that I mean I still I mean you guys do cold showers as well yeah right? yeah, yeah. Have a cold shower because yeah. um, I like it's there's something you said to me when we were talking about having this conversation you said you were really interested in the space uh, you know between stimulus and, re and response, and, response. Yeah. and that's that I mean cold water gives you that and it's mm. very different to what you're saying as well like being out in nature yeah i mean the other the other one you know james just ma mentioned the mountains yeah a couple of weeks ago we were you know we were up in snowden filming some stuff and rather than get a hotel or anything we we just bivvied out and you know and james cooked up some food and we had a fire and we literally you know you know put bivvies in a sleeping bag down and slept underneath the stars and you couldn't help but wake up every half an hour just to kind of look at the stars yeah chris was like james look at the stars and you're like yeah, and it's, wow. so it's like you just amazing. Like, whoom, like straight back down kind of where you are and it's like, you know, your feet are on the ground and it's, you know, you're, you're, you're eating like, you know, food that just tastes so much different, it, like everything, yeah. you're just being cradled. But isn't this amazing? You know? This all started from, I'm going to make a magazine and it's called We Move. Mm. And We Move has taken you to, to being able to directly experience the elements yeah. to... Um, to your esoteric practices, which is just like, mm. like oh, we haven't talked. Yeah. Oh, we haven't. Yeah, talked yeah well, about there's that, a part. Yeah. There's definitely a part two. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. This, yeah, have to. So the yeah, the practices. Yeah, I mean, I think I think cold. I mean, I come here. I mean, I'm here at you know White Hart CrossFit every day because I like to. I'm actually not bothered about the um, the movements that we do. It's the connection with the people. Yeah. That's why yeah. I come here. Like whatever's written on the board is irrelevant. It's about, oh, we're doing that. Yeah, I mean, I, I have an excitement. I was talking to someone else. It was hearing people's language and like fear and excitement. They're felt in the same way. It's I just had to take a long time to retrain myself to realise that I wasn't frightened. That I was excited. Yeah, because it, it's how you respond to it. Yeah, the cold's given me that. Is learning. Oh no, no, I'm not. But like, if yeah. I just. I'm okay. I can yeah. be in the cold. And that's amazing because then when you have that connection, you like what else do you think you're scared of that you'd really like to do? And you're like, oh, maybe I'm not scared of doing the thing that I've always wanted to do. Because if you can't do the thing you've always wanted to do, I think that's a, well, that's not living. Living is doing the things that you really want to do and you have the freedom and the ability to do it. You need movement for that. You need connection for that. You well, what are you movement. recalling from in the moment that you can actually just... If you just come back to the breath and the body, you can, yeah. oh, I can be with this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Painful thing. Yeah. And it might not be painful. Yeah. Might just be yeah. cold. Yeah. Cold and wet. It's all cold water is, right? <laughs> yeah. Guys, it's been fantastic. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Thank you. It's been great to have yeah. a conversation. And yeah, yeah. With you guys. yeah. Sure, we might be do it again for more. Yeah, of yeah. Whenever, whenever you guys want to yeah. do it, we're up for it. We like to talk. Thanks for listening to the episode of the Body Knows Podcast. We hope you enjoy it. If this all speaks to your heart, you can follow the podcast and download these first three episodes and share them with anyone you think they will benefit. 
please leave a review and tag us at The Body Knows Podcast on your socials. All of these will help to spread the word. And one final thing, if you can take a screen grab of your review and email it to us at contact at thebodyknowspodcast.com, that would be great. If you do this, we have some great gifts to give away from our sponsors at Made by Coopers, a modern apothecary crafting natural and organic products for your skin and soul. And also a chance to take part in a cacao ceremony run by Marcella, for which we'll also send you your own ceremonial grade cacao. So follow, download these first three shows, review and tag us at the Body Knows Podcast to be in with a chance of winning and email us the screen grab. We'll be releasing new episodes every two weeks. We have some amazing guests lined up and we can't wait to share it all with you. The Body Knows mission is for us all to reclaim our power over our well-being and help ourselves, one another and the world. I'm Matt. And I am Marcella. We look forward to taking this journey with you all. And remember, listen to your body because your body knows.